You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And on today's show, we're going to continue talking NFL draft, talking free agency, how everything is set up for the New York Giants heading into the 2021 NFL draft. And back on the show for a, a second time to uh, to help me do that is Mark Lillibridge, president of the Brawl Network, former NFL player, former NFL scout. Mark, thank you very, very much for uh, for coming back on the show. And I appreciate you having me on. I love talking football and uh, let's talk some New York Giants. Hey, so let's do that. So let's let's start with this. Let's start with just your impressions of, of what the giants did in free agency. And, and, you know, we'll get after that, we'll, we'll get into kind of where that leaves them, you know, heading into the draft, but just your impressions of, of, of what they did. Well, I think the splash of course is going to get Kenny Galladay. I think that that's right. The best one the, that the media and the fans are going to talk about. And anytime you can bring a dominant uh, offensive weapon uh, to your team, uh, you know, no matter what you had to pay him, I, I, I would, be fair to guess they probably overpaid a little bit, uh, maybe negotiate against themselves. But if, if you see a guy you want and he produces for you, then money's not the issue as we've seen, you know, historically in the NFL. And so um, I think they, they know they needed a number one receiver. They know they need a guy who can stretch the field, but also win 50, 50 balls. And Galladay does that. Um, I'm a big fan of the Danny Shelton uh, signing. And, and the reason I am is because I think that next to, Leonard Williams. Leonard is such a good penetrator and he's so good laterally and on the move. Uh, I think now you lock in Shelton who can eat up two blocks and that leaves uh, Leonard on a lot of one-on-one uh, situations. And so I think that's where you're going to see him. I think, I think this will be, if he stays healthy, I think this will be Leonard Williams, a career year for Leonard Williams. Um, you know, and he's on a new contract, which you and I talked about last time uh, when I was fortunate enough to be on your podcast. So I, uh, I think those are, those are two moves, one on offense, one on defense that I really liked. I think that, um, you know, they made some moves along the offensive line. I think getting Kyle Rudolph at tight end uh, is a, it was a, it was a sneaky good move. Um, Cause he can, he can be the, the linchpin you know, blocking tight end where then that can let Ingram get out and do some stuff uh, in the, in the passing uh, game. But I, I think they made some upgrades and I think that they are continually uh, doing that. And one of the things that I liked is that every, every move they made, you know, like bringing, uh, uh, was it Breland, right? Is, am I wrong on that? The linebacker? Right, right. Yeah, Ragland, you know I, mean? I so, think it was. Reggie, not, yeah, right. Reggie, sorry. Bringing Reggie in. Okay, so he kind of, he he does adverse 
what Blake does. And he's a different, he's more of a downhill smash mouth guy where Blake's more of a lateral, Blake Martinez is more of a lateral linebacker. Um, so you got those guys that, that everybody kind of is uh, counteractive to what the other guy does. One guy's strengths, another guy's weakness. And I think those pieces really fit well. And then of course, going to get a Dory Jackson at the corner slot. I think that was a, I think that was another sneaky, good move. Um, I don't know if he ever you know, was hurt a lot last year, uh, but as he can do it, he's good in the return game. And again, a former first rounder for the Tennessee Titans. I think he adds a lot of value in that back half. Um, not the biggest guy in the world and, and, and not, you know, one of those guys that you're going to go one-on-one versus Kenny Galladay a lot. But I think if he could practice against him every day and, and, and compete against that, I think Adoree Jackson would be you know, a really good slot. And then uh, he can hold his own on the island as well. You know, it's interesting that you brought up the Shelton signing because I didn't think much about it. I, I mean, I, he's got the right skill set. But when you think about what the Giants did, two players that they could have signed, could have kept and let go, they let Kevin Zeitler go on the offensive line. They let Dalvin Tomlinson go on the defensive line. And and I think what they're going to do here, obviously on the defensive line, they signed Danny Shelton. Wouldn't surprise me if they also, you know, add a, a tackle, a defensive tackle in the draft. On the offensive line, they've got Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez. Both players have question marks. They added Zach Fulton as, you know, as sort of a, a veteran, just sort of a safety net. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go hard in the draft fairly early at a guard. But I think what they did was they looked at two positions where historically you can fill those positions without spending a ton of money. And I, I, I like the fact that that's what they did. They used that money for, for other, uh, for other purposes. And they, they're filling those two spots without spending a ton of money. I a hundred percent agree with you. The other thing that I like about it that they did is when, when you, when you're looking at this, you still got to remember Andrew Thomas had kind of a throwaway year last year. And so I think that's one of those situations where you look at this and you say, okay, Hey, we, we have a high pick that we we're expecting to have big things come out of in this next year. And so I think that's part of it as well. You know, it's funny also that you mentioned Andrew Thomas, and I'm glad you did because there's a lot of questions people ask about the offensive line. And I wrote the other day that it's kind of funny to me because people for a long time, Giants fans were, you know, why aren't we investing high picks in the offensive line? You know, why aren't we, you know, really putting resources into this. And the Giants did that last year. They spent first round pick on Andrew Thomas, third round pick on Matt Parrott, fifth round pick on Shane Lemieux. They went with, you know, one of their own homegrown players at center in Nick Gates. And and I find it funny this year that Giants fans are are panicked basically about the fact that all of the players that they that they might be using on the offensive line are are homegrown players who maybe aren't fully proven and it's like people this is isn't this what you asked for isn't this what you really wanted the giants <laughs> to do and now you're panicked that they might actually play the players that they drafted you know right. i i find it it's a good thing i mean it would not surprise me at all if at 11 you know, and I guess we're, we're getting into some draft talk here. It would not surprise me at all if at 11, if Rashawn Slater is available. 
I would have no objection to that pick at all because to me, and just tell me what you think of Slater, but to me, he provides the Giants competition and cover at three positions, either guard or right tackle if if Parrott isn't the answer over there. So to me, I would love the pick of, of Rashawn Slater. So So let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk about Slater. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I don't think he's there at eleven. I, I think he's gone by then. You know, it'll be interesting how these quarterbacks play out. But I think he's the number one tackle in this. I know people like Sewell uh, out in Oregon, but I, I'm a big Slater fan. I think he's the number one uh, offensive lineman in this draft, and I think he'll be gone before the Giants can get him at eleven. Um, that's how highly I think of him. So if, if he is there at eleven, I think it's a dunk, and I think you have no choice but to take him. And again, that's you know, you go back to your fan base, right? We we love what everybody else has. And until they bust, and then you don't like them. And so the fact that Gettleman, you have to believe in your system. You have to believe in what you're doing. But what it comes down to is you got to protect protect for four or five seconds. You're going to get one of the best running backs in recent history, Saquon Barkley backs. Saquon Barkley back, excuse me. You 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 have to have Daniel Jones keep him clean. He's proven he can uh, you know he can he can run the offense effectively from the pocket. But I think these guys just have to gel. That's part of it. Is just getting in together in an offseason. We didn't have an offseason last year. Uh, they weren't together. And so these guys are learning on the fly. And then you had a lot of injuries, um, you know, in the backfield and, and at the quarterback position. So I think that's part of it as well. I think the Giants are in a division where they showed near the end of the season they can compete. and But they just have – it's going to be uh, – you know, it's wide open division. They just have to get together and, and work together. And I think that's part of being homegrown is that these guys are comfortable and know each other. And they don't have to just keep plugging in pieces that they don't know. And so I, I think it's, um, again, I, I expect, I expect Andrew Thomas to take that next jump. I expect them to, to, I think they will draft along the O-line if that's in the first round or, or second or wherever that is. Um, but again, I think they, I think they have a pretty solid group right now. And now you use the draft to, you know, you can't really count on the draft um, to have a bunch of starters right away. Hey, I mean, you're hoping you have your team. You want those guys to be ready to go by year two or year three. And so I think maybe at 11, you'd like to have that guy be an impact player. But if that's a, if that's a safety, if that's a linebacker, if that's a, another D tackle, like you said, um, I think you got it right at 11. You have to take the best player available. And uh, heck, you know, if that's a, if that's a receiver or, or in a loaded receiver class. Uh, but if you're talking Slater, if Slater's there at 11, that's a dunk. You have to take him. It's funny. I think I, you and I agree on this offensive line. I'm pretty bullish on, on where this offensive line is headed. I mean, there are question marks. I don't know what Will Hernandez is going to be. I have questions about Shane Lemieux's pass protection, but you know, Giants fans drive me nuts. They keep wanting to move Nick Gates off the center position. And, 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 and I'm like, why? He played really, right. really well there the second half of the season. He's got the personality. He's got the skill set. He's got that that fire that you really want from you know from a guy who's who's really the leader of your offensive line. I, I really like Nick Gates' upside at center, and I'm bullish on that group. I I think if if Slater's not there let's stay on the 11th pick for just a second and let's stay on the offensive line for just a second let's 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 assume that Slater and Sewell are both gone i personally don't believe there's another offensive lineman that 
you know, that that you can justify considering that there might be wide receivers there. There might be, you know, Micah Parsons might be there. Edge right. guys might be there. I don't see another offensive lineman you can really justify taking at 11. Um, you know, how, how do you feel about that? The only other guy that I could see, and I'm, his name's going to escape me, and I don't know if you got your list in front of you right now, Ed, but the the uh, old lineman from Oklahoma State. Um, Tevin Jenkins? Yes. I think he is just a tough knocker. I think he's New York tough. I think he is. He finishes his blocks. He's got some Will Hernandez to his game, but he's more athletic than Will is. And so I just there that might be a guy that I could see. I think he's kind of getting some buzz, and I think a lot of people, a lot of O line coaches around the league, are really uh, are kind of starting to to zoom in on him a little bit. So that's a guy that I it just you know when you when you the fun thing about this is you have draft picks that have certain guys certain places. But then you have coaches that um, and scouts that really kind of know some of these guys. And so there's always that that one or two guys every draft. You're kind of like, OK, well, I didn't rank him that high or I didn't know he was going to go there. Um, yeah, I think I think Tevin's one of those guys where I think it's going to surprise some people. Um, and I think he would be he'd be there. But that, now the question comes back to it is this way. Is he is he above a, a, a Jamar Chase? Do you have him ranked higher than if, let's say, uh, Waddles there from Alabama, the at receiver, like you brought up, Mark, Michael Parsons. Is he more of a value and more of a, 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 a instant? Because you got to have an instant player or a guy that you expect to play a lot um, and hopefully a, a future, a long term starter at 11, um, you know, at least by a second year. And then you want him to be a five to eight year starter. Uh, if, if that's Micah Parsons or if that's someone else that's at that position. That's who you have to take there. So it just comes back to what that board is. And you have to, Gettleman has to trust his board, trust his scouts this year more than ever because there wasn't a combine. And, uh, and I think then that's where you have to, to, you have to get value at that pick. And so then I think that's where it comes down to. Um, and, or is that where you maybe try to trade back a little bit? If you have some, if you have a bunch of guys that you have fairly ranked at different positions, maybe you have four or five guys. Uh, that are there, well, can you slide back to 14? Can you slide back to 15 and still get the value player that you want uh, and then pick up some some depth? Because that's the one thing for the Giants is that they're not they're not so loaded right now where you're sitting there going, okay, well, this team's, you know, a really strong Super Bowl contender. They're building for the future. They got they have talent, don't get me wrong. But if you can add, you know, another three or four players and then have a, maybe get a second rounder for next year or, or even a first rounder for next year, uh, in that slot, um, I think you have no choice but to do that. Yeah, I know Dave talks a lot about, you know, his history is he's never traded down in eight drafts. And and Dave talks a lot about not trading back too far because you sure. don't want to take yourself out of, you know, out of position to draft maybe the three or four guys that that you would really want. And I And I agree with that. But I also think there are certain positions if you're targeting in this particular draft, there's really one position in particular if the Giants really want to target it with the first round pick where they could drop back a few spots and and comfortably have a choice yep, you know, of a couple of guys. And I think that position happens to be edge. Sure. Where, where if – if they if they want edge and they're like, well, okay, we really don't care if it's Ojolari or Phillips or Rousseau or or Pay or Owe from Penn State. If, if Twitty, they don't, I like Twitty. If they don't care, 
I think they can drop back a few spots and take whoever's there. Now, right. we'll, let's talk about Quiddy for a minute. And you and I are going to disagree on Quiddy. But let, let me say this. I think for the Giants, there are, if you look at offensive line, if you look at offense, I think Slater's a perfect pick for the Giants if he's there sure. at 11. I think if the Giants want edge, because of what they already have on that roster and because of what Patrick Graham wants, I think Aziz Ojolari, the kid from Georgia, is perfect for Patrick Graham. And whereas I think that that Quiddy Pay is a harder fit because you're looking at a guy who's more four three defensive end, more hand in the ground than a guy who who can play who has experience standing up and who could maybe drop into those short areas, you know, once in a while in zone coverage. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about the edge class a little bit. Yeah. I think all those guys you brought up, I think are, are have unique talents. And I think that's the way the game has evolved a little bit. I, I think there's so many that, you know, where you're at is if Graham's going to stay, okay, I'm going to go with a base three, four. Um, the guys you're looking for are different and the guys you're drafting. than if you're in a four, three, but, even in those cases, you still have to have some versatility. I mean, you still have to, with the way that guys are zone dogging and the way that guys are, are with the zone blitzes now, heck, your, your nose tackles. And, I mean, you got to get some, some of those guys dropping the coverage even nowadays. So I think you want just pure athletes. And I think all those guys do fit that. I think you're right with, uh, with uh, Quiddy. And, you know, he does dip his shoulder really well. And he can, can bend the edge really well. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit stiff in space. But those are guys – but you all, you also probably would have said that same thing about Preston Smith and Green Bay. You would have said that thing, same thing about Zadarius Smith, right? I mean, a lot of these guys, uh, they have to fit. You say, okay, well, they're too big or whatever. Well, you find ways to use them. And you, you know this with like a Marcus Golden or, or any of the, the players that have kind of come through with the Giants. You know, there's some guys that you have to be able to drop into coverage. You still have to be able to uh, you know, rush the passer. And so I think there you're going to go – always go with what Graham wants. Mm -hmm. But again, you also, you're going to, you have to say at the same point, and you guys have been through this too, unfortunately, well, if you got a new coach, he might not fit that system. So you got to get the player who's going to fit. who's just a good player and could fit a three, four or four, three. So I, I think that, I, I think you're right either way. Um, I just think you have to go into this with, you, you can't be scared. Um, if a guy is a talented player, he's going to be able to adjust to whatever scheme you're in. And I think then, and you know, you, you would love to be able to say, oh, okay, I'm going to build a scheme around the 11th pick, but unfortunately you can't, you're really building the scheme right now around Leonard Williams and then let every, every other piece fall where it may from there. All right, Mark, two quick things for you. One on Quiddy pay. Does Quiddy pay at all remind you of Justin Tuck. Let's just stay with that because I, I, I can't help it, but I see a little bit of Tuck in, uh, in Quiddy pay just, just because of, just because of the effort, I think, but, but is, is that, is that at all accurate in your mind? Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I could see that. I guess I haven't put that comparison together and I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't know if you're, if you're comparing that's a bad thing or a good thing, but I mean, Tuck, but well, he's got two rings, doesn't he? Um, right. I'll, you know what I mean? I'll take, yeah. I'll take that. I mean, so if that's, if, if, if your comparison is Justin Tuck, I would take that all day long. So yeah, I, I, I could see that. Um, and I think that that would be, a, I think that's a, you know, would be a fair comparison and a, in a, in a good comparison to it's me. Um, because I think that, that, 
when you, no matter what at this level, you got to learn to be a pro and you have to, you're going to have to do some things that probably you're uncomfortable with. College does some different things to you. When you get to the NFL and you're making these, these, these dollars, you know, you want to be able to hit on these guys. So you're going to do some research and you're going to see, okay, what, you know, who do they remind you of and, and some comparisons. But at the end of the day, you know, Quiddy Pay's got to be his own man and he's got to answer the bell. And uh, if that's effort and that scheme or, or whatever, uh, you know, it is to, to be successful, he's going to have to figure that out. And, but, but you also want to surround him with, with veterans that can help him and lead him that, down that path as well. And I need to ask you about two other guys in that edge class. And these are guys who I look at as pure projection guys, you guys who, to be honest, I would be really, really uncomfortable taking early in the draft because I'm not sure we've seen it. Maybe if they hit, if they, if they become what people think they can become, you know, they they could be superstars, but I think there's a long way to go to get there. So I'm, I'm curious how comfortable you are or you would be taking Gregory Rousseau from Miami and Jason Owe from Penn State, you know, if you're the Giants. And it, I would love one of those guys in the second round, but I'm not so sure I could I could I could take one in the first round, even if I dropped down to, to 17 or 18. Yeah, I, I know there's some now I know there's some debate on both these guys. I am not a Rousseau guy. I don't there's things about his game that I'm like, okay, wow, that was awesome. But it's not a consistent, consistent, uh, the effort or, or what he does is a, is a dominating player for me um, consistently where I would take him at 11 or, or, or at 15 or 17 or wherever else. Um, I, I think you're right. I think as a second rounder, I feel a little bit more comfortable with that, with that because there, because there is upside um, on both those guys. But again, I think it's it's one of those situations for me where um, you know the Georgia uh, guy just I, I there's I think his upside's higher than Rousseau in my opinion, and so you know if you're asking me which one I would take, um, th- there's that's where I'm going. But I think it would be it would be hard for me to take either of them, um, you know, outside of probably 25, uh, or I think they're probably slated between 25 and 45 for me. Um, and I think then you're, you're okay with your value because then you're, you're trying to hit on where, you know, can we get them to project to where we think they can go as opposed to what they're going to be. And if you're staying at 11, like I said, you need a guy that can come in and play right away um, or at least give you valuable minutes, maybe not a starter, but at least that first year, give you valuable minutes, but then you need them to be a starter for five to eight years um, moving forward. And uh, so you, you got to be right there. Hey, how much more time do you have, Mark? Uh, I got about one or two minutes. All right. Let me just, so let me just throw this. I'll throw a wrap up question at you then. So, all right. So, so Mark, let's, let's look at it this way. We've had free agency. We've got the draft coming up. If you're the New York giants, John Mara pretty much said the other day that he feels like he's tired of losing. It's time for the giants to start winning. If you look at, where they are, what they've done, the division that they're in, would you feel comfortable or, or, or would you feel good about where this Giants team is headed at this point? Well, I do because I think you get so many weapons back that you didn't have last year. And so it's a weird year 
Now, I know there was other issues too. Dallas lost Dak, and and you know the the Eagles are going through what they're going through. Uh, uh, you know, Washington team is is in an upheaval. Um, they're going to have a new quarterback starting. I think this league is wide open, or this division is wide open. Excuse me, and and I think you're going back into it with getting Barkley back. You're going to have an O line that's going to have some more experience underneath it. You hope that Andrew Thomas can step in and, and do it. You have a happy Leonard Williams who just got paid. You have a, a stalwart. Uh, D tackle next to him to eat up blockers. You got uh, some really good uh, linebackers that now, you know, uh, Blake Martinez knows this system a year later. Uh, you have great young safeties and secondary players. Um, you know, you got Galladay who's your, who's your can throw it up and make, make Daniel Jones look good. I think they're in a prime spot. I think you, you have to add some pieces in this draft. I think you got to win it, you know, wherever that is 11 or wherever, if Gettleman breaks his tradition and trades back. But I do think that they're – I think they're sitting okay. They, you, But like anything, you have to be healthy, and the team has to meld quickly. And I think if those two things can happen, I think they have it. You need Ingram to be more consistent with his game at tight end. I think that helps with getting Rudolph there to be able to kind of take some of the blocking roll off his shoulders. Uh, but I think that – and you need your, your playmakers to play well. And I think if, if Barkley's back healthy and then Daniel Jones is back healthy, I think this team can compete talent-wise uh, with anybody in their division. All right, Mark, thank you very, very much. Before I let you go, why don't you just let people know where they can uh, find you on Twitter, where they can uh, find uh, your work on the Brawl Network. Yeah, so you can always find me at Bridges Football. So just find me at Bridges Football. Love helping out guys. This is going to be a fun draft because I helped uh, you know, coach and talk to a lot of these guys at the College Gridiron Showcase. So there's, you know, I, I'm, I got some guys in the later rounds that I'm really rooting for, but this is going to be a wide-open draft. I think this is going to be really – critical draft uh, this the last these next couple of days are really critical for a lot of players because they're in getting the physicals the top 150 are actually getting the physicals done and so there's going to be a, this is going to be a scouts draft and we're going to see the really good teams are going to find some really good players on day three that's where i think that uh that saturday is going to be a really really fun day Ed, for for guys like myself because you know i like the value players and i think we're going to see four or five years down the road there's going to be a lot of really good players uh, you know, that we're going to find in rounds four through seven uh, come uh, Saturday, the 2000 uh, May 1st, 2021. All right. Thank you, Mark. And we'll, uh, and we'll talk to you again. God bless. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Giants fans stay tuned here. We're going to take a quick break here for a word from our SB nation sponsors. And when I come back, we're going to do one more segment today. We're going to play an interview that I did with Elijah Mitchell running back from the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns and a player who uh, who might draw the interest of the New York Giants in the, the late rounds of the upcoming draft. So stay tuned for that. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome back to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Movie Radio. A chance to uh, talk to another NFL draft prospect here today as we get closer and closer to, uh, to the 2021 NFL draft. Today, I'm joined on the show by Louisiana Raging Cajuns running back Elijah Mitchell. Elijah, how you doing? Thank you for uh, for joining the show. Doing good. And so, no uh, I need to start with you um, in a little bit of a different place. Um, you know, my my website covers the Giants, and your one one of your former coaches, Rob Sale is is now uh, part of the giant staff he's hired as the the offensive line coach uh just what can you tell me about coach sale uh coach sale man he's he's an awesome coach uh he he really got an o-line right at uh ul and he he know how to coach us he coached him hard but at the end of the day it, it works and we did it for now he did a phenomenal job with our line make uh, that offensive line make make your life a little bit easier Oh yeah, most definitely, yes, sir. <laughs> so I, I need to, I need to ask you. You know, I, I was looking at all the all the the projections and the scouting reports and 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 all of that kind of stuff, and most of it said, "Oh, Elijah Mitchell, he's not all that fast, and he'll probably run four five four six, and you know, in the forty. And you turn up at your pro day with a four point three two. How did how did you do that? Uh, really, it just started off uh, when I got to MJP. Uh, shout out to them for that. Uh, they they really transformed my body into a pro. Uh, that's that's starting with eating right, uh, coming to workouts every day, working hard, getting the right treatment, and uh, uh, pro day came around and it all worked out for me. And that MJP is the Michael Johnson Performance Center, correct? Yeah, yes, sir. Right, and so you. Just just working out there, and and I guess what did you lose also about about uh, seventeen pounds or so? Well, uh, when I got to MJP, I was about two two twelve. Mm-hmm. I was about two twelve uh, be- between there, so I ended up two hundred one after meal, eating meal prep and just uh, eating right, and uh, I was two hundred one at pro day. And you played at uh, what'd you play at last year? Uh, at the end of the year, uh, I was around two thirteen, two twelve. Okay. And all that, all that training, you know, losing the weight, you know, what you learned about taking care of your body, uh, the, the increase in, in speed, um, for you, how do you think that translates to, to making you, you know, perhaps making you a better NFL running back? Uh, like I say, uh, just eating right. It makes you feel energized. Uh, it makes you want to wake up and go work out. Cause like you have energy from sleeping, um, just all around, just, just training and, Eating right is just it just helps your body be stronger. And our workouts at MJP is was awesome. Uh it really challenged you and it all worked out. They they make you give up some uh some things you like to eat. Oh yeah, most definitely. Oh yeah, most definitely. <laughs> all right. So 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 I gotta ask, I gotta ask, what's what's killing you that 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 you'd really just love to have? What's killing you that you can't get your hands on? Well, uh, I'm a I'm a uh I'm over country boy, so like uh, we cook a whole bunch of uh, rice and gravy and and uh, wildlife and stuff. So I haven't been able to eat that a lot, but 
uh, hopefully uh, on off season or whatever, I get to eat it. So oh, it's going to be good. Go. There you go. Yes, so, so, so here's, here's an off the wall question. I doubt you've ever been asked this one since you mentioned rice and gravy and all that. One of my sons, his, his girlfriend happens to be, happens to be Puerto Rican. And we have this debate all the time. Is rice a main course or a side dish? Rice is a main course. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing <laughs> like, like me. Corn, like corn or like uh, pork and beans, that'd be like a side dish for us down here. <laughs> oh, I always say to her, I say, but but when you look at the menu, it says chicken and rice, not rice and chicken. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. But we, you say rice is the main dish down here, though. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. I, I just I, I had to ask. I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> but. Yeah, we we had that we had that discussion the other day, and she just walked away from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. all right. So, so I have to ask you. You had an, an opportunity to uh, to participate in the Senior Bowl, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. And and how did that how did that work out for you? How much do you think you you benefited you know from that experience? Uh, I learned a lot from the Senior Bowl. Uh, it was an honor to be there to uh, get coached by uh, NFL coaches to see how they how that like that certain team, how they operate. So it was good. Uh, it was it was different uh, from like play calling wise, but uh, I caught on to it. It was real good. And uh, I was happy to be there. And in terms of, of that experience, you know, going through this whole draft process because of the pandemic and all of that, it's different than than it would normally have been. That really the only time that you actually got to really you know talk to teams talk to scouts talk to talent evaluators you know in a one-on-one kind of setting yeah that was my first time uh we met with all 32 uh teams so uh that was a that was a blessing and it, it went real well but you haven't throughout the rest of the process you really you've done most of it through zoom and all that you haven't had any real any real you know person-to-person contact that was the only chance right yeah yeah yes sir yes sir and how much of a benefit do you think that was just in terms of being able to sell yourself to NFL teams? Uh, it's a huge benefit just to be like uh, at the senior bowl per, uh, face-to-face with them for them to actually get to know you like in person. Uh, that's, that's a good, a very good opportunity and it benefits you a lot. And I'm curious if you, uh, if you were to give a scouting report on yourself, you know, to NFL teams, everybody puts out scouting reports and draft guides and all of that. How, how would the scouting report on Elijah Mitchell read if you were going to write it? Uh, first of all, it, they'll, it'll say that he's very coachable. Uh, he's he, he shows effort. He's a workhorse and he's willing to do anything it takes to uh, help the team out. Whoever uh, picks me up and uh, every day I'm going to go 100 percent no matter what. And, you know, one of the things that I read that I need to ask you about is you people, at least the, the scouting reports that I read, they kind of question a little bit of your your experience catching passes. I think you caught maybe 49 balls during your career at, at Louisiana, which is roughly one a game, which kind of says that you weren't a main part of the pass of, of, of the uh, of the passing game. And, and the other thing I hear is really needs to uh, needs to work on, on, on his pass blocking kind of stuff. I, I'm just curious, you know, how you feel about 
about those criticisms when, when you hear them or, or when you read them and, and how you might answer them when you get into a pro camp? Uh, starting off with the, uh, starting off with the whole catching out the backfield, like I say, uh, coach Napier, he, uh, he designed plays for us. So, uh, I just worry about my, my, I just worry about myself and doing what I have to do for the team. So if I get the ball, uh, cool, I, I'll make some happen. But if not, uh, I just continue to do my job. And about pass protection, uh, that's that's all stuff that I'm gonna prove in camp, and uh, that that's all that's all I'm worried about. And you know, I read one thing about you. I think from the Ohio State coach. His name is Matt Campbell, and I guess you guys were getting ready to play to play Iowa State and. And he was asked about you, and he had some nice things to say, and he called you a gritty, hard-nosed kind of player. And I guess my question about that is, when you get praise like that, you know, from, from an opposing coach, from someone that's, that, that has to play against you, do you take that as a compliment? I mean, how does that make you feel? Uh, I, I take it as a compliment, but that's, that's just something that I always, I will always play like that. And uh, I appreciate him for uh, talking good about me. Uh, but that's just one thing I always worry about myself is that I'm going to run the ball hard and I'm going to do it every game and every play. And, and other than the other than the fact that uh, that, that Coach Sale is there now, you know, coaching the, the the Giants' offensive line, how much do you know about the Giants at this point? Uh, all I really know is uh, I like I met with the uh, running back coach, Coach Burns. He's he's pretty cool, man. He's he seemed like a down earth person and Cosell, uh, like I say, I've been knowing Cosell. So uh, it, it, it's going to be good if I get to go to that team. And Coach Burns is a, a longtime Alabama guy. So, uh, he's, you know, I've, I've had a chance to talk to him a couple of times. Pretty, uh, pr- pretty soft spoken guy. Have you have you talked to him a little bit? Yeah, I talked to him a little bit. Yes, sir. Talked to him a little bit. And uh, you know the main guy in New York, right? Saquon Barkley. How would oh, you? Oh yeah, most uh, definitely. Oh yeah. How, how would you like to join a backfield with uh, with Saquon? Like I say, Saquon, man, he's he's a goat, man. That dude can run the ball. He can do everything, man. He's a. Uh, it'll be an honor to play next to him if I get the opportunity to, and also just learn from him too because he's been there, and uh, he's he's a great player. And I'm I'm curious. Do you have any expectations going into the draft as far as how early you might come off the board, how late you come off the board? I mean, or or do you try to just not worry about that? Uh, really, I just try not to worry about that. Uh, wherever I go, whatever round I go in, uh, I'm going to make the most of it and and just play the sport that I love. And you uh, – so, so it really – so you're really not uh, you're not worried about oh fourth round sixth round whatever just you know whatever happens wh- whatever happens you'll make the most of it. Yeah, most definitely. Like I say, I can't I can't uh, I can't choose what round I go in. That's not up to me. So uh, I just try to focus on whatever team I go to, uh, make the most of it, and uh, either get a starting spot or just uh, anything they want me to do, willing to do it. Have you played much special teams at Louisiana? Uh, in college, I played a uh, kickoff return, but uh, that's about it. You did do some returning? Yeah, yes, sir. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, because I know uh, I, I never know who's going to be returning kicks for the Giants. It seems to be a, a revolving door every year. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> so, 
All right. Hey, Elijah, I appreciate your, your spending a few minutes with me. Um, best of luck to you uh, in, in the draft. And, and if the Giants call your name, hopefully we'll get to talk to you this summer and, and hopefully that'll be in person. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for your time. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. We thank you, as always, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Also, check us out on all of our different platforms, our Instagram page at Big underscore Blue underscore View, our YouTube channel, our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at Big Blue View. And please join the community at BigBlueView.com so you can join the discussion with other Giants fans. Giants fans, please remember, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.